Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Block Talk Radio. Honor is truly mine. 
Um, I, you know, I'd forgotten about the fondue aspect. Um, I uh, really, it, it wasn't more of a so much of a contest as just uh, I, I like fondue a lot, and that seemed like that was a way to have a lot of it at once. Oh, Morgan had a great time with that. <clears throat> I'm sure. Um, so the book is called, by the way, "Nothing in New England is New." It's all it's all poems written in uh, on a trip to New England last summer, and and you're right, it is it is a uh, a travelogue book, and and a good and a lot of my books are, take that format. They're written over a short period of time on on these trips. So my first one, as you alluded to, it was uh, "Paris, It's the Cheese," which came out in 1996, I think. Um, and it was a it was a much shorter book. Um, in terms of what inspired me to 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 write, you know, I I didn't know at the time that I was writing a book. Um, you know, of course, at that point, I'd been uh, identifying myself as a poet and involved with poetry in LA for for a, at least a few years at that point. And so naturally, I was in a situation, uh, a new situation, and. And poetry started happening. I mean, you know, I find that I write a lot more when I'm outside of my normal element, when I'm not, uh, you know, just, you know, going through the everyday exactly. details of, of working and taking my kid to preschool and all that. So here I am in, in Paris, which was, you know, such an incredible dream to get to the first time. Um, I'd, I'd, you know, it's really the first place that I traveled to that I really wanted to go to, you know, and... um and 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 my eyes were wide open to what I was seeing and what was going on, and and poetry came out. And by the end of the trip, you know, I had uh, it occurred to me, wow, I have like enough for a little chapbook, so why not put it out? So Paris was initially the the first location that inspired you. In in terms of this kind to of do, travel to poetry, do that. yeah, sure, yeah. Yeah, and in fact, uh, the 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 first edition copy of that book uh, for the lucky few, they also got a cassette tape of some of your adventures in Paris, which were absolutely hilarious. Thanks. Um, <clears throat> to clarify, there there was no second edition. <laughs> but, oh, there was um, no second edition. <laughs> wow, uh, then I really am lucky then. That's the only uh, book I haven't I haven't brought back into print from those early books. Uh, I didn't know that, uh, but uh, maybe that'll happen someday. It's a great book. It's a great book, and I, I treasure my my little cassette. Tape. Yes, I still have my cassette tape of that. And uh, um, want to get to your poetry in, in just a moment, but I I do want to point out that when you do these travelogues. You don't just start at the cities. You have a journey you make with these books, uh, which usually begins at the airport. And um, uh, I would like uh, you to read from uh, page 10, I've Been to Madison, I believe it's called, uh, to give us a start kind of on the journey uh, that we're going to take with this book. Sure. Uh, this is called I've Been to Madison, Wisconsin. I've been in four airports today, one more than I thought, and the final one not the one I intended. I can finally say I've been to Madison, Wisconsin. I can finally tell Newark, surprise! There was the added benefit of the extra couple of hours in Chicago. O'Hare and I never get to spend much time together, so that was nice. 
I understand my luggage will be going to Philadelphia. Good for it. It's a wonderful city, rich in history and brotherly love. I hope it gets to see the Liberty Bell. Maybe get a Philly cheesesteak. It's not a vegetarian like us. Um, you are one of the, the few people that can, can take the mundane and just throw it completely in a new direction where you kind of, you almost get an insight into things that you wouldn't think there would be insights too, like airport restrooms and Burger King at airports and, uh, you know, the flights. And, and of course, once you get to your destination, then you have a lot of really great insights. Um, on page 14, I would like you, it's a very short poem, I would like you to read uh, the title uh, of your book, uh, the, the title poem of your book. Sure. Should I do that right now? Yeah. All right. It's called Nothing in New England is New. We're looking forward to traveling through New England, though I'm not sure how new it is as every attraction in the guidebook is described as old. You know, I think you're, if I may, I think you're right about this this whole idea of taking, you know, drawing attention to the mundane. I mean, that's sort of my um, yeah. my, my style in general. And I and I was thinking about it during that first poem that you had me read. It's, you know, we actually didn't get our luggage right away, you know, and um, it wasn't the first time. Well, yeah, it wasn't the first time, nor was it the last time that that happened, as I recall, because we later we went to uh, uh, England over winter break and and didn't have our luggage for like three days it was awful um which you know it it but ba you know back to this trip we we stopped in in allentown for a few days where we were dropping off our son so we could go on this trip through new england and you know it didn't feel mundane that we didn't have our luggage it felt like you know a big deal and so much of the yeah. time was was spent you know talking with people on the airlines and figuring, well, why did this bag go to that airport and why did this one go to that airport? And, well, I, I guess if it's a problem, you could deliver this one to our first hotel in this place. And, buy, you know, it was like it was the consuming, you know, thing of the first, you know, two days of this, this trip before we actually got on the trip part of the trip, per se. So, but uh, but maybe there, there's something, you know, maybe losing your luggage is a mundane thing anyway. And, and, well, and, and all of that was showing the spectacle in it well certainly to when it's happening to you it's not going to be mundane but a, a poet that um didn't have the skill that you have and didn't have the humor that you had could could make that you know pretty mundane um and 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 you take it and you find the humor in it and in that it becomes relatable to everyone you know, even if we haven't lost our luggage, we certainly have heard of people losing their luggage. Um, you know, and when we hear that, it's like, oh, yeah, yeah, you know, that's, that, that, we kind of expect it from airports. Um, but you take it and and you, you freshen the perspective and, and uh, give it a little humor. And, and um, uh, I love that about you. Uh, I love that you can do that. Um, it's not an easy skill. It's uh, something that we kind of take for granted. Um, and you are one of the few authors that not only do I have, I think, every book you've ever written, 
Um, but that I can, I can come into the book completely knowing that I'm going to enjoy this book. There's, you know, you can never suck. You know, you just, you're, you're, um, a friend of mine, I've, I've received a number of emails specifically pointing out all the ways in which I suck. So I, you know, but I'm glad, I'm glad you like, uh, I'm glad you like it. Thank you. Well, I have I have better taste than most people, <laughs> so I'm told. Uh, but but a friend once uh, said about another uh, another wonderful poet, Paul Suntup, that he's infallible. Well, you are also infallible. Um, let's move on to uh, to another poem that I I, I really enjoyed, uh, and it's called Odalisks. Am I pronouncing that correct? For by John Grillo or for John Grillo. Um, that's on page 38. Page 38. Okay, yeah, this was written in um, the Springfield Museums, which, um, you know, a lot of the, excuse me, a lot of our time on these trips, um, besides wandering around the cities and seeing what there is to see, is, is, is being in museums and writing what I, you know, what I like to think of as sort of little ekphrastic. Uh, observations, um, ekphrastic, you know, being you know, artwork inspired by other works of art. Um, and this is another one in which, of course, Addie uh, plays, a, you know, is a character, as you mentioned earlier. Uh, and, yeah, I, lo- I love her appearances in these, these pieces. Well, I kind of joked, you know, at least a couple of books ago, and maybe somewhere in this book, that she should probably get an author's credit because, you know, a lot of these little observations, I'm sort of taking something that she said which i thought was funny you know or interesting yeah. offbeat and and putting it in this little poem context so i'm at least giving her half the money i should tell you that well she she uh, at least in this book she she often mishears words so they're funnier and then you, and then it, it inspires you to write a poem about that and I, I i you know it probably helps that i i know Addie, i know you know uh, how she looks like, and so I can actually picture it. But I, but I think that she does. She adds a flavor to uh, to your work. So, anyways, yeah. Um, so let's uh, let's get to this poem. All right, it's called Four Odalisks, which is the title of the painting by John Grio. Addie delights in pointing out the painting of naked women with cats. <laughs> she knows what I like. It's a nice little short piece, but it's it, there's so much flavor to it, um, and it, it kind of gives uh, without saying too much, you know, uh, it, it, it gives a lot of information. Uh, you know, we know you like cats. <laughs> well, poetry is about saying, you know, as much as you can with as few words as possible, as far as uh, as far as I'm concerned. And you do it very well, you know. Um, uh, you don't have huge, huge poems. Some of them are, are, are slightly larger than others. Um, some of them are super teeny tiny. Um, uh, in your in your trips, uh, you also mix a lot of history. You you mix the local color. You're like you're like um, a documentarian in some of these poems where. You're taking again something that might be kind of dry and dull 
you know, when you're hearing my, you know, it's a history lesson, but again, through your, your sense of humor and your insight, you have a lot of uh, very perceptive insights uh, when it comes to the history of a location. Um, and are, do you consider yourself a history buff at all or a historian at all? That's interesting. I, you know, I hadn't really, I didn't really know that, I'd never really thought that these like little poems written in historical places necessarily provided too much insight. Um, so it's interesting to hear you say that. In terms of being a history buff, I think it's, um, I don't know how else to say this, but I think it's really cool to be in places where things happened, you know? Um, and I know that sounds silly to say it that way, but I just think it's the, it's the coolest thing in the world. I, I, you know, I was actually looking on the, uh, there was a news item today on Yahoo about um, uh, a, a, a river boat or a ferry or something that, 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 um, that sunk or caught on fire and a bunch of people died in the San Francisco, oh, yeah. in the San Francisco area in, in like the 1800s. And they just, just now, you know, this, within the last couple of weeks, put up a monument to it and, and it, and it, wow. You know, made it, suddenly this story is alive again, and there were relatives or descendants of some of these people, and cases where entire families, uh, you know, or at least one case where entire family was on this boat and died, and so it's just it's history is fascinating, um, and being in the places where where these things happen make it you know make it so so real. You know, going walking around Boston and being at the old north church you know where where uh where they they lit the you know one if by land two if by sea well there it was you know there, that was where they lit those you know right at the top of that and um it's just and there's places like that all over like in the book you know i'm sure you're <clears throat> getting to this but you know we get to plymouth and actually see plymouth rock and you know and we we went to salem and and there was you know where all of this this stuff with the witch trials happened and and it's just it's it's just amazing to to be in those actual places i i'm i'm fascinated by it i was going to save uh that one for a little later uh but since you did bring up uh, the salem that is uh, that is precisely one of the ones one of the pieces that i saw or read uh where i kind of went wow <laughs> um here he takes something that is Wholly serious, very much ingrained in in you know anybody with any sense of intelligence or sense of history, and you come up with a, a, a fresh point of view on it, a little bit of humor, but also there is definitely a, a very serious subtext to it, and it's called "Searching for Witches." It's on page seventy-eight. And uh, since we are talking about that, um, yeah, why don't you read that one right now? Sure. Yeah. You know what was? Well, you know what? the poem kind of kind of gives it all away. So let me just read it, and then I, if if I if, you know talk about it if you want. It begins with a sure. um, and a, a quote from uh, someone who actually was there at the time from 1693 named Increase Mathers was was his name, and he said, which by the way, I saw that and I was like, oh my god. What a name. I know. Like, you could not have created a more goofy name than Increase Mathers. Well, I you bet know, you could had, if you tried. Well, if they had, you know, porn films back then, that would have been a perfect name. Maybe. Um, so Increase Mathers said, 
It were better that ten suspected witches should escape than the innocent person should be condemned. A thick red line takes us to all the hot spots, the fake museums, the old well, the cemeteries, with crypts collapsing. A human guide tells us how it is. She tells us what it means to be pressed. They lay you on the ground, a board on top of you, a stone placed on the board. If you didn't confess, they'd put on another stone, until you were dead, pressed. We sit near the marker for Sarah Wilds, hanged July 19th, 1692. It took until 1992 for the town of Salem to make a memorial to their witches. On Halloween, our guide tells us it's like Mardi Gras here. Some Wiccans come to the memorial, bow down to the ground, and claim they feel the energy of their ancestors. Our guide wants to tell them they weren't witches. They miss the point of the memorial. It is not a celebration of the occult. It is how Germany felt after World War II. It is an embarrassment. That, yeah, that last line is just such a killer line. And again, it brings back the insight I was talking about. And it connects with what we were talking about previously, where you brought up the the ferry boat incident and how there wasn't a memorial until just recently. Well, uh, in this poem, there wasn't a memorial until uh, recently as well. Um, the detail, you know, again, you're making something that, that that could have been so dry, but by bringing in the the very vivid details, um, it, you you make it real for the reader. Uh, you make it vivid for the reader, um, and that's certainly one of your more serious pieces in the in the book. Um, and uh, I, I really loved it when I when I first read it. I was like, "Oh, I, I gotta get him to read this one." <laughs> um, so you did. Yes, I Salem did. was a really interesting town. I don't know, you know, if anyone listening has had the chance to to go there, but you know, it's really about this horrible thing that happened and. Yeah. And when you get to the town, there's all kinds of crazy things that are there that have to do with the occult and witchcraft, but nothing to do with the actual events. You know, it's like being in a in a permanent, you know, there's haunted houses and and witch museums and things like that that don't tell the story which had nothing really to do with witchcraft, just of exactly. people, you know, and it's um so it's kind of weird and sad to be there at that same time. And our our guide, I remember told us that you know, they really thought found the whole thing embarrassing for hundreds of years, and that's why they didn't have a memorial up. You know, they just yeah. didn't they just didn't want to want to be known for that. You know, and of course everyone knows it because you study it in in history and in high school and before and that kind of thing. And they they you know I, it was actually because they you know they realized they could they could do a, a brisk tourist business if they kind of celebrated it a bit more and, and celebrate is. A weird word to say, but with all the stuff that's there, it, it almost is a cele- celebration, you know. Um, but the fact that they actually put up a memorial, a memorial uh, in 1992, um, relatively recently compared to when when it all went down, was yeah. you know it kind of shows that well, okay, I guess they really do take this seriously at, at a certain point. So it was a very strange place to be. 
Yeah, it, it sounds to me like they're making a trade-off. Um, they need the tourist business, so they're catering to the entertainment, you know, the fantasy of the thing. Uh, but at the same time, like you said, they're probably, a lot of them, very, very secretly embarrassed and, and maybe even mortified that they have to do what they have to do. Um, and, of course, the tourists, the tourists, you know, they don't understand. They, they they don't get the full picture, and it is an entertainment to them. And it, it's, you know, it not every tourist. Not, <laughs> I mean, it's certainly certainly not us. And there well, not are not all of the tourists. There are. We we, there should, are. We, we we shouldn't say all of the tourists. We don't want the you know, we don't want to start getting angry calls from from tourists. <laughs> or that's right. If we don't. <laughs> Don't call us tourists. <laughs> uh, enough of that, Selena. Um, but of course, it's not all serious in the book, and um, you uh, you have a great mixture, a great balance of of the serious and um, the levity, which you are you know infamous for. Um, and uh again a- uh, Addie plays a great part in that levity um what would you say would be the biggest change that has happened in your poetry because Addie came into your life well you know suddenly i had a muse you know um i had someone to bounce ideas off of and to say you know the funny things, or you know, the, or the things that I thought might be funny out loud, and and maybe yeah. get a reaction. And then she's just really funny on her own. I mean, and and yeah, and just the way that she sees things, and and you know, looks at a painting and sees you know, you know, a particular detail, which you know, or interprets a detail in one way, which is hilarious, you know, or she has a way of of completely. You know, I might say something which I think is grand and and big, and she'll, you know, sort of put it all in its place with one witty comment. You know, and it's it's um, it's uh, so it's you know a lot of the work, especially this, well, really the, a lot of the travel work. Though there's a bunch of standalone poems from her um, from throughout the, you know, the, the time that I've known her. Um, you know, it's it, if the books are really about my experiences in these places. You know, a lot of my experience is defined by who I'm traveling with, and that's absolutely. my beloved wife, Addie. No, absolutely, and you really do. Uh, it, it's obvious that you you two click, you know, and that she feeds you and you feed her, and um, there's there's a a nice little example of that called an American French Toast Story on uh, page sixty three. Uh, I would very much like you to read that. Sure, yeah. You know, I just you reminded me of something that that um, someone who you and I both know, G. Murray Thomas, um, said after oh, yeah. when he was reviewing um, an earlier book, um, which was also a travel book. He he kind of summed it up. The book is one long love poem to Addie, you know. And um, yep. and I before I read this piece, you know, there's been some. Some critique. Well, you know, you've you've got 200 pages, and there's some longer pieces, but you have so many of these tiny little poems, which are just a single observation, and you know, things like that. And you know, it's um, um, I, I guess one of the ways that I would encourage people to look at the book, 
um, is as kind of one one piece with kind of a through line. You know, there may be certain observations on certain pages, but it's really all about one thing. You know, un- unlike say a, a selected book where I've taken poems from you know different periods of time or sure. whatever and put them in a book. So, um, so I was, so you know, I thought G. Murray Thomas kind of summed it up when you know he read this 150 page book or whatever it was and and, and regarded it as one long poem for for Annie. But um, that poem, uh, this was written. This is written in an amazing little town called uh, Portsmouth, New Hampshire, which um, uh, isn't famous for anything in particular. Um, but um, but we we spent a couple nights there and we we loved it. It was just it was beautiful. They have this amazing um, place called the Strawberry Bank Museum there, which is again you know it's it's a basically a neighborhood that they restored um, to you know a period time, you know, from a couple hundred years ago where you walk through it and there's live reenactors who are playing the people who lived in there. And it's just, it was a sweet little place. Um, So this was written in a a restaurant there called The Friendly Toast, which was pretty cool. You should should go eat there. Um, It's called An American French Toast Story. Addie is devastated. She didn't even touch the second piece of French toast at The Friendly Toast. To be fair, they were larger than her head. But she hates to waste food. I try to make her feel better by telling her it's not a big deal. Put it into perspective and think about those poor people who were burned at the stake in Salem, Massachusetts, whose graves we will visit in just a couple of hours. Well, she's forgotten about the French toast anyway. <laughs> Again, not, uh, this poem, I think, for me, has everything. Uh, you have Addie as a wonderful character. You have um, you have the, the levity, but you also have that subtext and, and hitting us with that killer uh, insight at the very end. Uh, you know, from a breakfast of French toast. Uh, it also makes me hungry, but you know. Well, you know, it's no secret why I called my book a couple of books ago. We we put things in our mouths. I mean, you know. Half of the enjoyment of of these trips is finding the cool food, places yeah. to eat. You know, I mean, we're not the type to go to. Okay, I'm not even going to say a name because I don't want to offend anyone. Yeah. But yeah, we're not going to show up to just a chain restaurant and eat there. I mean, you know, I half the research yeah, I yeah. do before I go on a trip is, you know, what are the best places to eat eat brunch, you know, or breakfast or whatever that the locals go to that they rave about and. We we have to go to those places. And are there any you know unique vegetarian restaurants? We're vegetarians that we can that we can go and eat in. And you know it's there's a certain yeah, exactly. euphoria about eating good food. You know, and 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 to do it in a local spot that you can't do anywhere else is 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 awesome. Yeah, uh, and you know French toast the size of someone's head. I mean that that sounds pretty darn awesome right there. It was it was really pretty big. <laughs> Um, another thing you do is you, you do, as you've mentioned already, you visit museums. Um, do you, are you a very big art aficionado? I mean, are you one of those people that you know what you like or are you, you expert on uh, certain artists? You know, you, you can... You can tell Picasso from uh, Salvador Dali and so forth and so forth. 
Well, in some first of all, no, I'm not an expert by by any stretch of the imagination. Okay. Um, I, I will say, um, uh, you know, to, to sort of modify one of the choices you gave me, I do know <laughs> what I know what I like when I see it. You know, um, but then you know there are certain artists that you see that are unmistakably those artists, like Salvador Dali. Sure. It, there's there's no question that's a Salvador Dali. We were just in at the Philadelphia Museum of Art a couple of weeks ago actually and I'm sorry we went to the Barnes Foundation which is which is a museum a couple of blocks away from there which was mostly um uh, impressionist painting all impressionist paintings mostly Renoir and um with like 20 30 paintings on on each wall by this very you know minute set of artists impressionist artists from that time period and by the end of walking through that museum um, I remember being at the Philadelphia Museum of Art the next day and clearly being able to say, oh, well, that must be a Renoir because that's I saw 300 of those yesterday and that's the same style. So, no, I'm definitely a novice, but, um, but I... You, know, I, you I, sound I, more more in tune than I would be. I couldn't tell you what a Renoir looked like. Well, you know, it's... Uh, look at the internet, uh, James. It's all there. <laughs> look, um, I... Uh, Salvador Dali, I probably could figure out. Even though, um, when when they think of Salvador Dali, they think of more of his later works. Um, and there's there's quite a bit of work that doesn't actually look like Salvador Dali. Um, and there's yeah, like like you, there's there's a few that are very very um, recognizable. Magritte, Salvador Dali, but a lot of those, yeah, I I, I can tell you. Uh, well, a good rule of thumb is, you know, if it has something melting in it, it's probably a dolly. <laughs> well, again, not necessarily if you look at his earlier work. Uh, but while we're on the subject of museums, a wonderful piece on page 111 called At the Museum. Um, and I would actually like you to read two poems this time around um, because I think they're so closely related. At the Museum, page 111, and Paper Zoo, page 112. Okay. Um, this is kind of, you know if I you know this is one of those things where these both of these poems are in 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 uh, different seg- numbered sections and each section was basically its own kind of observation which you know previously in the book they're you know they they might have been their own poem per se you know but um, I thought it might be interesting to kind of combine a lot of these. Together, since they all happened in the same place, even though they're per se about different uh, different experiences per se. So, uh, at the museum, this was um, this. By the way, well, actually, it reveals it in the first stanza. So, never mind. Here we go. One. It cost twenty-seven dollars to valet park your car at the Museum of Fine Arts in Boston. Remind me to never drive my car here from Los Angeles. Two. Addie misreads the coat check sign as goat check. Would have been nice. Three. There are foreigners here. Either that or that is the language indigenous to the MFA bathroom. And I am l'étranger. Four. Addie has a fight with the bathroom sink. She describes the altercation. Apparently the sink won. She refuses to tell me who started it. Five. Old photography captures images of people alive long before anyone today took a breath. Captured alive. 
forever alive. And then this next piece is Paper Zoo, which is named after um, the exhibit of the same name in the uh, uh, Museum of Fine Arts in Boston. One, I'm sure Picasso's The Toad, 1949, is as attractive to other toads as his women are to us. Two, Strutting Bird, Bertold Luffler, 1903. Now I know where Travolta got his inspiration. Three, Honolulu, Hawaii, Peacock, by Lee Friedlander, 1977. To take a picture of a peacock in black and white leaves a lot to the imagination, which perhaps is the point. Four, a lion emerging from a cave, James Darnell, 1792. He looks pissed. Five, Trout and Reflection by Neil Welliver, 1980, for Richard Brodigan. I have nothing to say about this etching except it is, in fact, trout. <laughs> and of course, that's a reference to Richard Brodigan's trout fishing. Um, and, and Richard is, is one of your favorite uh, poets, I believe. My favorite writer is period, but Trout Fishing in America was the name of that book. Yeah, um, yeah, uh, Trout Fishing in America. And he, um, what's cool about that, you know, one of the reasons that he, that I find him so inspiring, besides the fact that his writing is so good and you know sometimes funny and sometimes deeply tragic, etc., um, he kind of you know redefines what things could be. I mean, you know, sometimes you know I'll read a poem that's so short or one word people will sort of be in shock like my god is that the whole thing you know but his book trout fishing in america is is this great example of something that he calls a novel but when you read it it's actually uh you know a, a series of essays that you could very easily uh, or short stories i should say which um could very easily be perceived as as unrelated you know yeah different characters different settings etc and so the fact that he, you know, um, left the lines per se, you know, um, I, I found really inspirational um, in 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 that work in particular, and his novels are really amazing and and, and offbeat and and etc. So yeah, love Brodigan. Nice. Um, the other thing that um, in, in that piece, uh, the uh, the paper zoo, uh, one of my favorite favorite all time poets is Robert Wynn. And Robert, me too. Yeah, and Robert has a a habit of commenting on art, uh, often twisting it in a whole different direction. Even you know, you know his, his infamous pieces where he takes uh, um, a piece of art and has a, someone that you wouldn't associate with that art, like you know David Lynch painting, uh, you know the Sistine Chapel or whatever. Um, or, or Dr. I'd like to Seuss. see that. You know. <laughs> Speaking of Dr. Seuss, I, I don't think we mentioned yeah. this, but at one of the reason that we went to the Springfield Museums, which is one of the first you know sections of the books, and I, I guess I read that that one piece from it, um, is because they have um, their that's where um, uh, Dr. Seuss Theodore Geisel was born, and they have this amazing oh. 
um, uh, memorial and, and museum of, of him, basically. There's, there's oh. lar- larger-than-life statues of many of the characters from his books. Oh, and it's just, I would love to go there. It's so cool. It's, it's worth a, a trip to Springfield uh, he's on, one of my favorites. on its own. Yeah, he's uh, one of my favorites. Um, very uh, man, uh, completely ahead of his time, just like uh, Rod Serling, uh, a humanist. Um, that took fantasy and science fiction uh, to tell uh, cautionary tales. Um, yeah, I love his work. Love his work. Um, let's uh, let's jump to track a little bit. We're gonna we're gonna go uh, a little further into the book. Um, <laughs> you might have met possibly the worst waiter in the history of waitering. Uh, in a piece called We Know This Is Wrong, uh, it's on page 182. Um, I found this pretty hilarious. And there's fondue in it. Yes, this was um, this was an experience for sure. Um, um, page uh, 185. Uh, okay, Is it so, 185? Oh, sorry. According to my records. I, but... Um, yeah, this was this was quite an experience. This was the last night of our trip. Um we had um just witnessed this amazing unique art exhibition in the town of Providence, uh Rhode Island called Waterfire where um and I know that you didn't ask me about this, but I'm going to tell you anyway. <laughs> um well, where, that's fine. Uh, there's a river that runs through Providence, Rhode Island and there's a um uh basically uh an artist who who envisioned um this this whole thing where you he, there there are permanent fireplaces uh, kind of floating fireplaces throughout the river and wow. on certain saturday nights throughout the summer um it's a water fire saturday night you go and you sit by the river and you're not the only one there's thousands and thousands of people along the banks of the river and um at a particular point um people come along and um uh, uh, in boats, um, you know, with, with Native American costumes and with twirling fire, and they light all of these fires. Um, you know, it goes over the stretch of a couple miles in the river, um, and there's music playing, and the music is different every time, and it's programmed by the artist himself, and it's it, w- it was truly an amazing, unique uh, experience to kind of just sit there and watch these fires and listen to this music along along this river. Um, so this was written shortly. They're after it, and it really isn't as spectacular as Waterfire was itself. But uh, <laughs> we stopped into a fondue spot to have kind of one last, you know, fun thing to do before we we headed back uh, to get our kid and go home. But um, it's called We Know This Is Wrong. It's amateur night at the fondue place, our waiter's first night. They're running out of fruit, and we're seated next to a portable air conditioning unit. We overhear the waiter at another table tell his patrons, you don't go under there. Technically, he's right, but what situations have happened to inspire that to be said out loud? He brings us our check just so we would have it. Does that mean we can keep it? We don't have to pay? We put the credit card in the thingy and stick it out as far out over the table as possible. We hope he will see it someday and we can go home. Finally, he arrives, apologizes, 
He was cleaning. We want him to feel good about his first day and offer jokes about how he'll become sick of fondue. He says he already is as he started as a busboy and used to sample the chocolates off the tables he cleared. This really is too much information. A couple tables away, one busboy tells another something was stolen from this exact table. We leave it to their mystery, hoping for a future fondue experience catering to experts like us. We head outside where the fire still burns. Again, you take a situation, or a lot of us have been in this situation, and most of us wouldn't even think about writing it. It's like, oh, we had a bad waiter. You know, we had a bad situation. You take a bad situation, you find the humor in it. And um, it's a gift you have. It's a gift you have, Mr. Rick Lupert. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) And I'm sorry you had to suffer for our enjoyment. Um, it's all for the cause. All for the cause. Uh, I haven't mentioned this yet, but throughout the book, there are some wonderful pictures. Did you take those pictures, or did someone else take those pictures? Uh, did Addy take those pictures? I understand the question. <laughs> um, I took all of those pictures except for the ones in which I appear, in which case Addy Okay, that makes sense, them. yeah. Um, which is there's a each you know the book is divided into sections and there's a section for each city and a section for the museums and you know like an on the way section and that kind of thing so um, um, I find it easier to kind of organize books when you have you know you have categories to kind of put things into sure. so um, <clears throat> so you know I um, there's there's kind of a designed cover page for each section and uh, and there there are pictures from the trip. There, not that I hope don't come off as kind of like, hey, here are pictures from our trip, but you know, are kind of interesting. They're fun, you know. They're fun like, and in- interesting. I'm looking at one right now. Uh, it's a sign shaped as a sun, and it says "Real People Alive on Stage." Oh yeah, that was um, that was a <laughs> sign actually that we we on our drive back uh, to Allentown, Pennsylvania. Um, we stopped in Coney Island and uh where we met uh, my wife's brother and we just we spent a couple hours with them there. And that was in um I I I I guess the the freak show. <laughs> and that was the <clears throat> the sign that they had right out front, you know, sword right. swallowers and just weird people doing weird things and um so that's um as opposed to dead people on stage cause... I said I said weird people, not not dead people. <laughs> I no, but it, it says real live people. Oh, right, yes. yes. <laughs> so it's as opposed to dead people on stage, which were, of course, thrill of the zombie apocalypse uh, aficionados and uh, not too many others. Um, the uh, um, So the the entire trip, you, you started where and, and you ended up where uh, trip-wise. Not, you know, obviously you, you ended up back home, but trip-wise – uh, you started in uh, was it Allentown, or or was Allentown? The, um, I'm trying. To yeah, well, that's remember. where my wife's parents live. So we we tend to start our trips there because they are willing okay. to uh, take our son for the you know a week or ten days and allow us to go away on these other trips. So um, we start we 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 started there. We drove to through Springfield, um, Massachusetts, which is where. The Springfield museums were, um, and then we ended in uh, Portsmouth, New Hampshire that night for two nights. We um, 
Then uh, after that, we went to um, through Salem, Massachusetts for a, a day and into Boston, where we were for four nights, and we were there over the Fourth of July, which was which was awesome. And Boston is a, Boston is a really really fun city with a lot, with a lot to do. Um, after Boston, we drove through uh, Plymouth, Plymouth, wow. Massachusetts, where we got to see Plymouth Rock, and that was on the way to uh, Providence, Rhode Island, where um, uh, we, you know where Waterfire was, and also the Rhode Island School of Design Museum, which was a really amazing museum. And then then we went back to Allentown, picked up our kid, and flew home. Wow. Now, uh, did you stop in Massachusetts at all? I know you mentioned Boston, but uh... Wait. Yeah, three of those cities were in Boston. Uh, uh, oh, okay. Plymouth, Boston, and um, oh, I'm sorry, just the two. <laughs> <laughs> no, Salem too. Sorry, Salem as well. All of those were in uh, in uh, Massachusetts. Okay. And uh, did you um, uh, did you see Victor? Did you stop by and say hi to Victor? <laughs> no, uh, no. Uh, Victor uh, Infante, oh, of course, is uh, another poet who you and I both know who lives there. But um, Great you know, poet, one yeah. of the interesting things that's sort of about these trips, since so much poetry is written, and since when I'm at home, I do, I'm so involved with poetry. You know, I'm constantly mm-hmm. leaving to go to a reading and all this. I, you know, I like to give my wife a break from going to poetry readings and things like gotcha. that. So um, I, you know, we tend to just make it, you know, kind of us time. Uh, in that sense, but to, so no, I, I really we didn't see any any people. So you don't you don't schedule features or anything when you travel, is what you're saying? Uh, not not typically. Okay, that's good to know. <laughs> I mean, I, I'd be willing, you know, I suppose, but it's not the focus of the trip. The trip is to end the vacation, you know. Of all your trips, and and you've you've had many many different trips to many many different places, and um, uh, I encourage people to seek out your books how how many of those books are are they all available except for the paris is uh the cheese um mostly um if if you go to my website you can see which ones all all the ones that there are if you click on the books poetry superhighway.com um that's my website that's where you can also get a copy of this new book um there's a couple of them that are in print in that i have copies of them to sell but they're not like up on amazon i haven't right what I've needed to do to 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 make that happen yet. Um and the only one which is just definitively not available period is um is Paris it's the cheese, yeah. Okay. Uh, of all these locations that you've gone to, uh what would you say would be your favorite? And which one would you go back to if you could? That's a great question. Um I Paris is certainly my favorite place to go at all times. Okay. Um I um you know I mentioned we were we went to England uh, over winter break because I was invited to a, a a conference there to to read poetry and to do workshops and stuff and because we were there um and hadn't been to Paris in a bunch of years you know to to me it just seemed like we have to go Hop, to Paris and a jump. <laughs> we we have to go back there even though we'd been there three previous times you know we just I I personally needed to go there and breathe you know so um, that's definitely my favorite place in the world. I'd go back to almost you know any place because there's really you know there are places I liked better than other places. A I, little I, more, I, yeah. I was thinking that about Venice, for example. We went to Ven- you know Paris, Rome, right. and, yeah. and Venice on our honeymoon, and we liked Venice, and there were some cool things there, and we ate some of the most amazing food that we you know ever had. But would we schedule a trip back there? I'm not. 
I'm not sure because there's, it wasn't necessarily our favorite place in the world, um, and there's so many other places to see. I, I suppose we would go back just to have that meal that we had there because it was so good. But, um, you know, I mean, there, there's no place just about that I wouldn't go back to, but I do have kind of a wanderlust and and would like to see lots of new places too. True. <laughs> True. Um, uh, do you speak French? Do I speak French? Um, enough yes. to make the French people think I speak French during the first <laughs> okay. couple of sentences, and then they start talking back in French, um, at which point I either respond... Oui, oui. <laughs> I respond to them with something that makes sense or or not. I, you know, I took French for a bunch of years in junior high school and high school, so I, I do okay, you know, better than your average person, I suppose, who doesn't speak French. But, you know, I remember being there on one trip and confusing the words for boat and bottle and I'm pretty sure mm. I I ordered a boat full of water you know I mean it's <clears throat> yeah I did that in Italy I uh cuz uh Spanish and Italian are close but not exactly always synonymous and I was trying to find a train station and somebody pointed me to uh, a toy train <laughs> a toy store with a toy train in the in the window That's funny. um yeah not exactly not exactly the uh, the same thing. Um, did you have, uh, you know, in terms of respect, uh, did you find that you were respected in Paris uh, just because you tried uh, with your broken French? Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, I think that um, the French Parisians in particular get a bad rap. I mean, the stereotype is that they're all rude and etc. And I, I've been to Paris, I think, four times now, and I have never found that to be the case. And maybe it's because I try. I, I mean, think I th- you're trying, I, yeah. I think it's it kind of butts up against the stereotype of the the rude American tourist who speaks sure. louder and slower in English, you know, and who's gonna have a friendly experience if you're if you're doing that. I mean I think if you're you kind of go any place with humility and, and, and try to respect where you are and what you're doing, you're you're gonna for the most part have a good experience. Yeah, I um unfortunately I did not. Uh <laughs> I had uh, a waiter that was even worse than your waiter. Um and he was the stereotypical, you know, the bad stereotype that that you hear about uh but at the same time I I knew that, you know, well, maybe I just got, you know, unlucky. I know that Derek Brown also had a bad experience uh there. Um but you well, know, you know, wherever you go, there's there's nice you're, people. You're going to run into those people, people. exactly. Yeah, I, I have had bad experience in Mexico. I've had bad experiences here. You know, with you know, so it's it's one of those things. I think it is the luck of the draw, and you can't really blame a whole city. Um, and and certainly Paris is a very culturally and very beautiful city. And I know we digressed a little bit, <laughs> but it's all trips. It's all about trips. Um, is there uh, any particular moment on this uh, on this trip uh, that really stood out for you um, uh, above all others? You know, I just would have to return to Waterfire. I mean, we, we had a great trip. We had great food all over the place. We, you know, we saw fireworks while sitting on the closed highway in Boston uh, on the Fourth of July. You know the so amazing museums, etc. But there was nothing like water fire. It was a, a really just unique experience, experience. in a, in a yeah. town which um, 
you know, which I we enjoy. We probably wouldn't spend too much time in Providence if we were to go back there because it, it's it's a small place, but it's it's cool. Um, and you know, just being at this this live musical fiery art exhibit was um, you know was was the thing that really stands out on this trip for me. Yeah. Any tips for uh, future travelers <laughs> of anywhere? Uh. <laughs> yeah. Wow, well, James. Um, uh, yeah, where'd that come from? <laughs> make sure you bring your wallet. I, you know, I, I'm not sure where to go with it. You know, I just, just ex- when you go to a city, experience everything that it has to exp- it offers. Like, see their museums, see the unique things that you can't see That's anywhere else. You know, get off the beaten path a little bit, but don't shy away from things that are labeled touristy things because there's a reason why those things. Are there, you know? I mean, I the um, oh, we went to Niagara Falls a while back, and you know, that's one of the number one tourist destinations in the world. And there might be a you know one sensibility that says, oh well, you know, don't that's just a touristy thing. You shouldn't do that. But but the truth is, it's really a spectacular, amazing thing that that people yeah. should. There's nothing like it. So just be open to to seeing things, and you know, be being having the experience that the city offers. See, that's good advice, and that's exactly what I was aiming for. Um, so I'm glad you picked up on that. Um, why don't you send us home? Uh, I think we're uh, we're ready to end your trip with the last exit out of New York. Uh, I believe it's page 191. Sure. The last exit out of New York is Arthur Kill Road. I'm not sure if A... Arthur was killed here. B, Arthur killed the road here somehow. C, Arthur is a killer celebrated by this road for some reason. D, this is where one would go to kill someone named Arthur, and if so, would you have to bring your own Arthur, or would they supply one? In any case, we have just entered New Jersey, where it is not wise to ask questions. I think uh, I think Arthur was killed because uh, he knew about the Great Tamale Conspiracy. But we're not supposed to talk about that because uh, you know we might uh, we might get calls. Uh, <laughs> right. Uh, but again, that's uh, you know somebody just a normal person wouldn't pick up on the stuff that you pick up on you, the, the way your 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 brain works is just uh, it's just really incredible to me um you know and uh we've talked uh, we've talked in the past about how um you came upon your, the you know your uh i guess presentation uh you know the dry humor the the way you present a poem and uh uh, you know, it just all works. Uh, you have a, a certain style that it's. Uh, speaking of painters that have a certain style, you're you're basically a word painter that has a, a certain style, and it's it's almost instantly recognizable as a Rick Luber poem. And it's uh, it's been my great pleasure uh, to uh, be able to talk to you today and uh, to uh, to take this journey with you. Uh, is there anything else that you would like to say to the listening public? We have about a minute and a half. Sure. Yeah. I mean, basically, I want to thank you, James, for uh, for having this conversation with me and, and helping uh, delve into the book a lot. I really uh, appreciate it. It's interesting to hear about it from, 
you know, another person's perspective. You don't necessarily get that when you put your, your artwork out there, and it's cool to see how you perceive it. I would just really encourage people to, to check it out, I guess, and you can you can read some other sample poems that I didn't read uh, on during this hour online at my website at poetrysuperhighway.com, and of course you can get a copy uh, of it too if you uh, if you which I highly encourage and I do readings workshops and bar mitzvahs <laughs> excellent well thank you Rick Looper for being with us uh, today on this very special poetry superhighway on blog talk radio good night ladies and gentlemen go out there do something beautiful With the Lucky Land Plus, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.